Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. All right, that's, those are such good thoughts and such a great little uh, cartoon to remind us of the importance of understanding that we are stewards of what God has given us. And uh, I'm excited to talk about money today. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things in, in the church world where you don't, you don't advertise that you're going to talk about money because sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to be there. And uh, it's a little scary concept and, and, and sometimes fearful to talk about. But today what we want to talk about, and I've invited two, two really good friends and two great professionals uh, that know far more about money than I do. And so we're going to talk about stewardship. We're going to talk about this importance of understanding that God owns everything and we are given things to simply take care of. And, and, and that's the, the simplicity of it. So we have Kirk Cartwright here, who is a uh, licensed and credentialed financial advisor and uh, a portfolio that he grew up in uh, the Bay Area. And so very excited to have you here. Sacramento. Actually. Sacramento. Okay. Not the Bay Area. Yeah. Thank big you difference. For, yeah. <laughs> big difference. Thank you yeah. for having me. Yeah. And then Garrett Cushing, who is a CPA and has a master's in taxation. Does that not sound like a geeky thing to have? Super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> really a great, uh, you know. Yeah drink uh, cocktail uh, conversation <laughs> <laughs> and so Garrett um, is a good friend of mine we met five years ago up at Ventura Missionary Church and just a, a great guy a good friend and uh, very excited to have him he is not a tax collector I think that's really important <laughs> correct to, oh, we, we clarify I'm a tax geek so it's okay you know talk yeah. to me about this I won't yeah. report anything with IRS so. yes kind of heavy on the geek side of that no I'm just kidding and so Let's start with a couple um, quotes that I just want to share with you guys. And um, again, today is about stewardship. It's not about, we're not here to twist your arm to give or to anything like that. Today is about understanding the idea of stewardship and managing what God has given us. So here's some thoughts that I liked uh, as I was studying this, this subject. When, uh, this is a guy by uh, Idawu um, Koyenikan. Koyenikan. And uh, when money realizes that it is in good hands, it wants to stay and multiply in those hands. <laughs> when, it, when it discovers it's in bad hands, it wants to go away and, and leave. Um, uh, this is a, another quote by Randy Alcorn. What you do with your resources in this life is your autobiography. Ooh. What, what does what you've done with your money say about you? And you're writing that. That's your, that's your writing. Um, if, uh, I like what Billy Graham said. If a, mil, if a person gets his attitude uh, toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. Isn't that interesting? Um, really good quote from him. Ron Blue says this, Stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. Stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of of God-given rules. And lastly, a guy named Theophilus Gale said this, whatsoever I thankfully receive as a token of God's love to me, I part with contentedly as a token of my love to him. And so when we get from him, we give back to him. And uh, that's a powerful thought. Some scripture thoughts that I want to leave you with, and then we'll get to questions of these guys, is um, Luke 
chapter 16, verse 10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will, be on, will, also, be honest, dis, will, will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And this passage is very clearly talking about the, the responsibility of stewardship, taking care of what you've been given, and understanding that, that what, if, if you're not handling with well what you've been given, why would God give you more or your own to manage? Um, very interesting thought. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So if someone's given you something to, to care for, you have to prove faithful to that. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we're called to take the gifts that we have, the time, the talent, the gifts that we've been given, and use them or steward them, manage them for the benefit of others. And then lastly, I think this is a really important passage and we'll kind of land here and then ask some questions um, psalm 24 1 and 2 says the earth is the lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it he for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters and so it's basically saying he owns everything god owns everything and we're simply privileged to manage what he owns and if we don't do that we don't do it well, then why would we be, we be given more? Why would we be given more responsibility? And so, um, and if we, the easiest part of this conversation is, is when we understand that God owns it all. If that's, if that's, if we don't agree on that, then stewardship becomes kind of an arm wrestling match for who wants control of the money. But um, if we do land on that whole idea that God is in control, God owns it all, and then we are stewards of it or managers of it, then we can have a better conversation about money and what it means in our world. Everybody good? All right, all right. By the way, these guys are both Christians. They love Jesus with all their heart, and, uh, and I'm very, very excited to hear some of their thoughts. So let's start with the big, kind of the, 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 the question that we, we've talked about is, what is the biggest money waster? So in my 27 years of working with clients and observing their spending habits, looking at their credit card statements, bank statements, et cetera, um, it's eating out. And, and that would include, I hope oh. I don't offend anybody here. You just here. got really personal. Yeah, Starbucks. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, right? Um, but we've all seen the, the little memes out there. If you spend $5 a day on a cup of coffee, times 30, that's $150 a, a month that you just spent at Starbucks, which they love, uh, but might not be the best thing for your bank account. $1,800. I was waiting for you to yes. do the math. Yes, I was doing that math very quickly yeah. once again. And let alone you throw in a couple of lunches, uh, maybe a dinner out, etc. it really starts to add up in a hurry besides the fact that it might not be the healthiest food, and we don't want to go down that road. But um, So I, me personally, what I've seen, it's all about eating out. Cool. 
Yeah, it's those convenience fees, right? We're quickly to go to DoorDash, Uber Eats, what have you, and those fees and those tips, they add up. So if we were to put together a personal financial statement for you, I'd be curious how much on that line is each month that you're spending, how many hundreds of dollars that we don't even see is going out because we're so hangry and want that $30 burger right now from habit because <laughs> uh, In-N-Out doesn't deliver yet. So, <laughs> uh, But again, it's just that convenience fee. Is it really worth, you know, you know, can you afford to do this often? You know, is it better to you know, go to the grocery store, buy it, cook it yourself, you know, it's things of that sort. So again, we'll talk about the budgets a little bit in a second. Yeah, so when we talk about money, wasters, we're talking about things that we purchase that are more convenient than necessary. It's, and convenience isn't bad. There's not something wrong with, you know, t using DoorDash occasionally or something like that, especially if it's part of what, what you'll hear a lot about is a plan. And so uh, we'll talk about that, more about that in just a moment. But I think if we did the Dave Ramsey approach where we sat down and journaled every expense and put them in categories, we would find out that we are spending a lot of money in places that we could save a lot of money or spend it differently. And uh, that would be uh, one good thing. So big money waster from your guys' perspective and what you've seen with clients is that they're spending a lot of money on conveniences that maybe aren't necessary or as necessary as they might think or we might think. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm probably, I, after the first service, I'm deeply convicted. So uh, um, I'm working on my own, uh, own spending plan, uh, if you will. All right, so second question, what is the biggest misuse of money? What is the biggest, not the waster, but what's the biggest misuse of money that you guys see? what I would call retail therapy. Uh, we've all done it, but very, I find a lot of people, it seems like the, their happiness is geared to how much stuff they have, and which means the more stuff, the happier they think they're gonna be. They end up buying sheds to store the stuff that was important to them you know, a year or two ago. Storage unit, we have one. <laughs> um, I, we have a beloved family member that we've nicknamed her Add to Cart. So we've all purchased things online and it's Add to Cart. And we go to her house and there's the Amazon boxes out there. So we all do that, again, part of out of convenience, don't we? But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to me, it's just thinking that money's gonna buy you happiness. It's good. Yeah, I'd say is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So I think the biggest takeaway we can give you is putting together a budget, you know, and sticking to it, the discipline of the budget. Just because you put one together and you put it on the fridge <laughs> doesn't mean it's being implemented and being used, um, but it's, you know, the, if you don't make the decisions, those minimum payments that you sign up for will dictate what you can and can't do. Right. So think of a budget as something more of what you can do and not what I can't do. You know, you might have the urge of like, oh, I got to get two vacations this year. Maybe we need to plan better about what vacations to take. And yeah. so you'd be more encouraged about what you can do and not what you can't do. Yeah. And I, Garrett, I think that's really a, a smart way to frame that where you, you look at it as this is my plan to do something, not my plan not to do something. And I, I, when, when we plan to do something, we also plan to say no to things. And um, I love that because it clarifies what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. It's already, the decision's already made before you get there, right? At least if you're disciplined. 
which that, that, that word is hard um, to get to. So the biggest use of, misuse of money is just the lack of planning and paying for things that you think might make you happy, but um, then you keep buying more things that you thought would make you happy. It's really good. So what's the best use of money? What's the best use of the things that God has given us? From what I've seen, it's really about where you're at in life. If you are a younger person, uh, invest in yourself. Get that education. Go to that trade school. Whatever it is that you can do to start generating money uh, on your own. Um, and you don't even have to be a young person. Myself, I didn't start the, my current career as a financial advisor until I was 37. So I took went months without, without any income, and, and of course schooling was, um, there was a cost there as well. But I invested in myself, and, and I truly believe that it, um, it was the best decision that God led me to doing. Yeah. Um, also, you know, if you've already made your money and you're in a good position, um, the best use of money is to be generous with it. Um, and not just, you know, all, the Bible states that we are to take care of our families, and I know you'll probably quote a scripture about that. But it's really a wonderful feeling when you can be generous to others that you don't even know. And, yeah. and that's when you, um, that to me is when you find the best use of the money. So the, the cool thing about that concept is that um, you get to that point where not only are you taking care of your family, but you're able to take care of people you don't know, and that's that generosity that goes beyond where you can imagine. Also, um, Kirk mentioned that you know, taking care of your family is essential. Scripture actually makes a, a very, very strong statement that if you don't take care of your family, that you are as, as an unbeliever, or the Bible actually uses the word infidel, which means that you're an outsider or outside of the faith. And that just means that you're not carrying a responsibility to take care of your family, mostly landing on uh, the leader of the family. And that's essential. So we're all having to own that responsibility of taking care of our family. And Garrett, what do, what do you think is the best use of money? What, I think, again, it goes back to that plan, that budget. It's where you're in the driver's seat and you're outlining what's important to you and your family, right? And we go back to, you know, what Kirk's point about being generous is once you're freed up, you can be generous with not just only your money, but your time as well. Think of it when you're stressed on all these payments. You can't do the extra things that you want to do. You're worried about getting an extra shift at work, picking up another job you know, doing other side hustles in order to make your minimum payments. Right. Like what we'll say is like you're the slave to the lender. Yeah. And you're doing, you're doing, you're looking online for that work at home secret that, you know, can make Guilty. you thousands <laughs> of dollars of, of money. I don't know if you guys ever see those things, but I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can make money in a week and, you know, $35,000. Oh, that sounds great. Um, and it usually is a scam yeah, of some usually sort. Usually a scam, and they're the ones making the money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the best use of money is really, you know, taking care of yourself and, and first, and especially young, and, uh, and then getting to that point where you can be generous and generous beyond yourself or beyond your family, and then making sure you have a plan um, so that it's not kind of getting wasted. I like that Ron Blue quote that we read earlier it says stewardship is the use of god-given resources for the accomplishment of god-given goals and it does take a plan to get there 
And uh, I think when, we're, when, when you can look at your checkbook or your, your bank statement and say, man, that is, that is the goal that God set for me, then what a, what a cool experience that is when you get to that place where you know you're spending your money and managing what God's given you, knowing that it's accomplishing God's goals. Very, very cool. What are your thoughts on the D word, debt? My thoughts on the D word are to do your absolute best to try and avoid it. Uh, little or no debt is liberating. In fact, um, my favorite book of the Bible, Proverbs, talks about that. Uh, 22 2 states that the rich shall rule over the poor and the borrow, borrower is servant to the lender. So let that marinate for a moment, that the rich shall rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. My goal as a Christ follower is to only serve him and only allow him to rule over me. And debt doesn't let you do that. Right, right. So such a good thought to understand. And, and I love that goal that you have to only be servant to Christ and uh, not to anyone on this planet. And so... It's really, really powerful, Garrett. Yeah, a debt can be used as a tool, which can be helpful as acquiring a home for your family, and it also can be a detriment. And, you know, those credit card payments can pile up. You know, I think we were talking a bit in between services, is like a scalpel in the hand of a surgeon, very useful tool. With us, not so much. Not so much. Um, and so with somebody who is disciplined in using debt to buy a home, I think that's a, you know, I think we would agree that's probably a good use. You know, be careful on what you can afford. We're not going for the million dollar house, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, but something that's reasonable within your budget. Um, versus, you know, just because I can get a zero interest minimum payment card today doesn't mean I'm not paying any interest. It means they inflated the price on that car to give me zero interest. <laughs> Which, that's, that's a, a, a trick. And, and there's, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it likely is. And kind of the, the financial statement that is often made and so debt is one of those things that um, we have to understand what its intent is people don't give you money so that you can enjoy life they give you money so that they can enjoy life and uh, it's called passive income because once you sign that credit card or once you take that loan then uh, they are getting the benefit of them not doing anything but watching that interest come in and uh and that's called passive income and so we have to understand that and also they have the leverage to be the, the to call us their slave we have to work to pay them and um that's that's slavery in some respects and that like like i said there you know you can take everything to an extreme and you, all that kind of stuff of what we're saying but you need to you know, we all need to go and, and pray and ask God, God, help, help me get into the right place that I need to be in our lives. Cool. Very good. Um, when you look at someone's finances, what can you tell without asking questions? When I look at someone's finances, credit card statements, uh, checking account, etc., I can see what's important to them. Oh, man. Right? We yeah. talked about eating I don't want out. you to look at mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked oh, you'll see is food, 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 <laughs> food, 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 Jesus, food, Jesus. So it's always interesting <laughs> to, see, to see if somebody's engaging in the retail therapy that I mentioned before. Right. Or whether they're 
gotten maybe past that point, and the generosity. Some of, uh, it's, it amazes to me, amazes me how generous people can be. Yeah. And it, it, it really is a wonderful thing to see. So when I see their checkbook or, or what have you, um, it's all about what's important to them, where their heart is, where they spend their money. Yeah, our, our priority to, priorities are actually pri itemized in all of our expenses, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, if you show me someone's calendar or the checkbook and the tax return, I can tell you where your heart and your, and your head is. Because what's important to you is the way you're going to put your time and your money towards. That's amazing. And the Bible says, you know, where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So very clearly, if we look at where we spend money and even where we save it, I mean, for those kinds of things, you know, there's a, a story in the Bible, we didn't share this in the uh, previous service, but um, where this guy just says, I'm going to save up and save up and save up. And he puts all these, the, this wheat and grain into these uh, silos, and then he dies. And, uh, you know, the old saying, no, no one takes a U-Haul behind the hearst with them. And so that's a brutal realization of, of the fact that we don't get to take what we have with us. And so... Um, Good. It's, it's easy to see the priorities of our lives and the values of our lives in our, um, our, our spending habits. And, and if, I think it's really good to journal that. It's really good to take a look and say, okay, here is where this tells me that my decision making is made based on these purchases. And uh, I consistently keep making these purchases. That means there's a value there. And I think that's really, really good kind of what the doctor does with our blood is he says what's in your blood okay well that's what you've been putting in your body and so it's really really important all right so let me ask this question probably an expected question coming here we are at church and uh, <clears throat> this isn't about twisting anybody's arm to give to the church but what is the best way to give to your church well, the easy question for you is early and often, right? Yeah. Um, but no, practically speaking, you know, cash is the easiest way to give a donation. But if we have some assets that we want to be able to get the best bang for your buck from a tax perspective. So the tax code allows those who have like public securities, you know, like Apple stock, you know, what have you, find your favorite um, stock. If you donate that stock, let's say it's worth thousand dollars a day and we didn't pay very much for it we'll make it zero and make the math easy for me so we donate the stock for thousand dollars to the church we don't pay tax on those on the one thousand dollar gain from zero to you know we added for zero it's worth a thousand and we get a tax deduction at a thousand dollars the church gets a thousand dollars so we basically double dipped you got two thousand dollar benefit on the one thousand dollars and there's different ways you can do this. Um, you, can, you can go with like a donor advised fund um, with like Fidelity and the other major banks. They can help facilitate this where you give the shares over there. Um, you, they'll, they'll sell the stock on your behalf, no gain for you. And then they'll transmute the funds over to the church. And so now the church is able to utilize or any other charity of your choice um, can utilize the funds. And some people will look at that and say, um, I, I'm tithing from that that way rather than tithing the cash from their their monthly or weekly pay and that that helps the tax deduction um and, Cor and advantage correct and another deduction. um you know it doesn't look like there's too many uh, there's a lot of young folks out here another vehicle we could use is if you have an ira and you're of age of the required minimum distribution and you're giving tithes is you have your rmd given straight to the church 
And so what this does is, instead of you picking up the income and taking a deduct the deduction, and maybe taking a deduction, depending on the rules, is you're taking it off the top and you're giving it directly to the church. And so you're still right. tithing as you normally would have, but now you're taking an added benefit that may have some other rippling effects on your Social Security, other sources of income. Yeah, that's a very, um, and, and this may be a little geeky for some, but uh, to, to understand that a required minimum distribution, when you get to a point in your, in your age where you're required to take out a certain amount from your IRA, then that can be used as a tithe. There's also tax deductible advantages to giving that as opposed to taking it as cash. Correct. If it comes in your hands, it becomes income. But if it goes straight to the church, you don't pick up the income. So it's like taking a deduction above the line. Right. So you might be able to be in a better tax position because of that strategy. And, and, in, and another way to tithe versus out of the cash. And another way to satisfy your tithing. Yep. Yep. Some of us have heard the old adage, uh, pay yourself first. It's a common investment theme to invest. I, I would add another um, statement to that would be to pay the church, pay God first. So when you're, when you're paid out of your retirement income or you're paid out of your earnings and wages, uh, develop that discipline that automatically 10% or more could go, yeah. <laughs> could go to the church. And it really is about developing that budget. That way you feel comfortable knowing that, hey, I can do this because it's already listed in my budget. And then having the discipline to do that. I heard another pastor say, discipline not desired determines our destiny. And I, I think Good. if you have the discipline or develop the discipline to manage the money via the use of a budget, quick and what, whatever works for you, um, it makes tithing and giving um, and generosity much easier. Yeah, and um, tithing is one of those things that I understand from a, a realistic standpoint, if you're not tithing right now, to imagine your budget 10% less, taking 10% off the top of your, your income right now might seem daunting and ridiculous and crazy and that's, that ch that's all church talk. Um, here's what I've experienced, and I can, I can guarantee you, based on the truth of Scripture, that if you tithe, you will never be disappointed. Um, not to say you won't go through your own financial challenges. I've tithed and gone through financial challenges, but God has come through in those challenges like never before, and I've seen great things happen. I've, I say this often, and you know, it won't be the last time you hear me say it, um, God can do more with 90% than we can do with 100% of our income. So if I live on 90, he's going to do something with that that I can't do if I try and just control everything. And uh, again, we are managers of the 100% that he gives us, and all he wants from us is 10% um, as a love offering back to him. And, uh, and what it does, the tithe does, is fund the ministry of the church. And so I always look at the tithe from a point of giving to God, not the church, because, um, you know, we, we tend to kind of look at the church and go, do I trust the church? Do I trust the pastor? Do I trust all this? And um, when we get into that, it gets messy. And you tend to want to control the tithe to some degree. And uh, when we give it to God, then God, and pray that God can 
you know, controls the church, the pastor, and if there are any questionable issues there, that needs to be addressed. But um, it's, it's a very, very powerful reality that tithing works. And uh, living on the 90 is not like living on the 100. Uh, I think when, when you take the 100 and you live off of that, you're struggling more than if you were to j- live off the 90. And that's all I'll say about tithing. And so um, really, really powerful reality, though, uh, and, a, and a blessed thing. As we wind down, two more questions. Um, do you have thoughts about what to leave kids and grandkids? Yeah. So again, back to Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 19.14 states that houses and wealth are inherited from parents. So to me, it's biblical that what you have, you can give to your children. But we want to be smart about it. And we, we want to avoid probing on the transfer of those assets. So I would encourage people, if you haven't already done so, to establish a revocable living trust so there is direction to your property upon your demise, uh, and a well-drafted uh, document will include a power of attorney, a healthcare directive, so it can, it's really a powerful tool to use to avoid probate. If you're a young family and perhaps haven't accumulated a lot of wealth yet, that's okay, you still need one, because the most important thing you can do is give direction to the guardianship of who you would want your children, uh, who, would, who you would want to raise your children if you're not able to do so. I think that's a, a very often overlooked situation. If you don't do that, some judge who's never met you, never met your family, is gonna make that decision for you. And then one other thought regarding that, as some of you may not realize that if you have earned income coming in, you're paying into Social Security, obviously, Well, there is a benefit for your children, and they will receive that as long as they're in high school or under the age of 19. Well, sometimes the income that's coming in for the child, you may not want the person who's raising the kid to be the steward of those monies as well. Perhaps it's your mom or dad, and you have a sibling that's raising your children. So all of a lot of heartache can be avoided if you do establish a revocable trust. Yeah, this just goes back to the, you've, if, you plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And again, if you can have these simple documents put together, you can help direct your heirs on how to divide up your estate, and same with the guardianship as well. Because we've seen so many families torn apart when a government judge and the family members are trying to decide over your inheritance. You know. Do your homework, be ahead of the game. I know it's not the funnest topic that we talk about, right. but save some headache down the line for your heirs. Right, and, and the, the reality is, is that it does get ugly. If you've, not, if you've lived long enough and you've seen people argue over the funds and, and what's left behind, um, it can be really ugly. It can be super peaceful too. It can be a great experience when you have a, a revocable or irrevocable trust that you a living trust that you can give and direction and you understand that if you don't if you have a will let's say you, you go home and you say I want to leave uh, my car to so-and-so and I want to leave my uh, dog to so-and-so and and um, I want to leave my house to so-and-so and you do that 
the, your last will and testament, and you sign on the bottom, that's great. But what's going to happen is then you are going to hire lawyers. Your, your family is going to hire lawyers who are not inexpensive, and you're going to spend an enormous amount of money to, to negotiate that whole thing and make sure it's exercised like you wrote it. If you get a living trust, then that is something that, well, you'll pay a little bit more up front, not, but you won't pay near as much as you would in a probate expense. And so uh, an irrevocable or revocable trust is really essential, and it's a really, really cool tool, especially if you have kids and you have any kind of money. Um, even if you're, you have a life insurance policy, know that that life insurance policy, policy is part of that experience, and there's more, more to talk about there. Yeah, and always check your beneficiaries often. Um, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories of, you know, maybe you've gone through a divorce, and your old spouse is the beneficiary of your plan. I'm not sure if your current spouse would really appreciate that. Right. And worst case scenario. <laughs> worst case scenario. But yeah. at least you're dead. It, it does happen. It does happen. All right. Last question. And then um, we, will, we will wrap it up. But uh, what has been the most useful tool in helping people steward their money? What I call the two B words. The Bible. Um, you've heard me reference Proverbs quite a bit. And I will continue to do good, so, hopefully good. all my life, and a budget. I think Garrett's um, nailed it when it, about his, uh, if you plan to fail, you, you fail the, well, you fail the plan, you plan to fail. Right. Yes. And so having that budget really helps your entire life. It helps develop that discipline. It helps God by giving, not that he needs help, probably didn't word that correctly. <laughs> no, but, uh, but uh, you know, with your tithing ability, your ability to be gener generous, your ability to take care of your family, heck, even the ability to uh, make the most of your life. Yeah. So those two B words. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's just, you know, when, once you get that budget established, it's not just to put it on the fridge and never look at it again, is to be accountable. Yeah. That's what it really comes down to is to be disciplined and be accountable with that. And even with your spouse, too, you've got to have a buy-in, uh, which right. can be, you know, I'm the saver, my wife is the spender. So it's, uh, you've got to be in it together. Yeah, so, so good, you guys. And, and uh, let's thank them for their expertise and bringing it to the table. There's two things that I want to wrap this up with. And one, first, this whole conversation is about stewardship. It's about understanding that God owns everything and we are the managers of what he gives us. And that doesn't, it doesn't mean uh, that if you have a portfolio of a million dollars that you are a steward now. You know, and, and those that have a portfolio of a hundred dollars, you're not a steward. If you have a hundred dollars, you're a steward. And if you have a million dollars, you're a steward. All of us take care of whatever God has given us and the Bible makes clear that that's a responsibility no matter what level of income or, or net worth we have. And so we're all stewards of everything. And then the second thing that I would encourage you to understand is that um, money isn't about what God needs from you. Money, you know, I said this in a sermon a while ago that um, tithing isn't about God saying, oh, if I don't get it, I'm going to be in trouble. You know, God's up there worried that, you know, the budget's low in the church or anything like that. He, God doesn't need money. He needs you. And he needs me. And he needs to have all of us. And um, how does he fund the church? He funds it through us. He funds the church through us. That's the way it works. 
And, um, and I, I make no apologies for that because we're, we are the church and we are working together to see our community uh, uh, reach for Christ. And, and that's how he, he does church and he, he uses the tithes to do that. At the same time, we have to understand that what he wants is all of us, not just some of us. And what he wants from us is our whole heart. And uh, I love that part of this whole conversation is that he just doesn't want a part of us. He doesn't want our leftovers. He wants all of us. And when he gets all of us, then it's much easier to be a steward, right? And it's, it's an exciting part of life, and it's, it's a privileged part of life. And so um, today, my prayer, as, as we wrap this up, is simply to say, let's steward well. Let's steward and let's do that, that reaching God's plans and goals. And when we can look at our finances and we can uh, look at the summaries of our financial statements and we can look at that and go, man, I did what God wanted me to do, that's the goal. That's the ambition that we have. And that's the responsibility that we carry as believers in Christ and as stewards of everything he's given us. So let me pray with you. We're going to pray, and then right after we pray, we're going to worship with one song. And while doing that, I'm going to go change into some baptismal clothes, and then we're going to baptize four people. And so that's going to be a lot of fun. All right? All right, God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for all the things that you've given us. Thank you for the gift of these two gentlemen that have expressed their expertise and giftings and talents, Lord, and have used them, stewarded them well today to benefit all of us. And Lord, we pray that it most importantly benefits you and a blessing to you and a fragrance of worship to you. Lord, that as we steward everything you've given us, that we would uh, be all in to do everything we can to accomplish your goals and your plans with everything you've given us. And Lord, we commit to that. We thank you, God, that you have blessed us with your love, your grace, You've blessed us with the, the, the funds that we have, the jobs that we work at, the, the income that we receive. Lord, all of those things, the time, the talent, everything we pray would be stewarded with your grace and your glory in mind. And we thank you and praise you for that. Like always, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to invite you to, to realize today that it's not, this, this conversation isn't just about money, it's about knowing that Jesus loves you. He died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven, so that, uh, and then he rose three days later so that we could have eternal life with him. And today, if you aren't uh, already a Christian, you want today to receive Christ into your life and be your savior, all you have to do is say this simple prayer and just ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and receive that forgiveness. Believe that he was raised from the dead and know that you're going to spend eternal life with Jesus and then commit to follow him with the rest of your life. And if you do that, you can be saved. You can have a savior today and the promise of eternal life and a hope in your life. So let's pray. And I want to pray this simple prayer. And you don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it in your breath. If you're online, just pray this prayer with me. And we believe that God's going to do something special in your heart. Dear Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the, the fact that I've made mistakes and I've done things that haven't pleased you and that have separated us in relationship. I pray your forgiveness based on the work you did on the cross. And I receive that forgiveness into my life. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And today I have the promise of eternal life with you. And I thank you for that. And I accept 
your salvation. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name, and I thank you for saving my soul. Amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.